Welcome to Broadcast 1132. You can join us live every Sunday during our worship experience or at church1132.com. The Bible tells us that Satan comes to what? Steal, kill, and destroy. And over the years and decades of ministry, we have seen people beaten up and battered by the enemy, uh, dealing with strongholds and the demonic. And I want you to understand that's not what God's plan is for you. We see people who are depressed and suicidal, see people who are dealing with anger and rage, see people who are dealing with insecurity and rejection and anxiety and fear and phobias and all this stuff, okay, that comes from the enemy. And... Over the last few decades of ministry, I've had the opportunity to literally see hundreds and hundreds of people set free from this junk. It has been a privilege, it has been an honor to literally see the powerful hand of God reach down on a young man, reach down on a woman of God and touch them and heal them and deliver them of these destructions. And I want you to know that that is for you today. There's no reason that you need to be living the way you are. There's no reason if you feel bound and you know that you're struggling with this, there's no reason for you to have to deal with that. Today, I wanna talk with you about literally the very beginning place to be able to get set free. You know, I want to talk to you about the thing that almost every time, whenever we, we walk people through freedom, almost every time we start at this point. What I'm going to talk to you about this one thing, all right, this one thing that will literally, it's the open door. It's the passageway to freedom for you. I'm going to share with you this one thing that literally, if you apply it in your life, it will be like you experiencing a whole new world of freedom and forgiveness. You say, what is this one thing? Well, I'll tell you, when you buy me some cowboy tickets, all right, 50-yard line tickets, I will let you know what that one thing is. No, I'm joking. For $19.99, you can, and yet there's more. It's my delight, my privilege to share with you the one thing, the one area, the one place that we begin to really move us into the pathway of freedom. And that's confession. It's confession, confessing our sin, all of our junk, all of our past junk. It's, it's opening up and being transparent. It's literally thinking about those things that you never, ever, 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 ever want anybody to know, and you say you're going to die with that, and I want you to know, by confessing that to the Lord, God wants to set you free. He really does. You know, I believe that confession of sin is critically important, but not only just confession of sin, confessing of things that have happened to us in the past. I know that in a crowd like this and those who are watching online, things have happened. People have hurt us. People have abused us. People have said things. We've seen things. And it's interesting how many people we talk with and how many people we pray with that there's stuff in our lives that literally nobody knows and we've not shared. And when that happens, it gives a foothold for the enemy 
So what I do want us to do is I want to look at David, King David. Now we know the Bible says that David was a man after God's own heart. And literally as I spent time praying and, and studying David again, uh, this, this week, I kind of got ticked at him. And I know David, some of y'all's hero and y'all's favorite guy. And, and he's kind of fall out of favor a little bit with me today, you know. And uh, I mean, he's a man after God's own heart. I know and I know all the good things and, and I love it, that. And, but he really messed up. I mean, he really messed up. I mean, let's just think about what happened. He's the king over the whole people, all right? And so he, he's supposed to be out at war, but he's not there for some reason, okay? He looks out and he sees Bathsheba. I think Bathsheba's been, he's, she's gotten a rotten end of the deal because we connect her with David and Bathsheba. I don't think she wanted that, okay? She's taking a bath. It's not like she's trying to get him excited, okay? She's taking a bath, and so she's taking it, and he's, I'm sure that's not the first time that he's, I think it's probably a normal thing for David, checking it out. Maybe in that day, that, you know, of Israel pornography or something like that, it was like going back to that thing. Oh, man, you know, I think she bathed every once in a while, you know, and so every time she bathed, and so I see David, and then, and then he gets his servants and calls her forward. And could you imagine? I couldn't even imagine. But as a woman, having a king call forth, your husband is off to battle and the king wants you and up in his quarters and you're like, what happened? What did I do? And then he starts hitting on her. How does she say no? What the power differential? You you starting to hate him right now too? Yeah, I know. I know. Let me just honestly, full disclosure, this morning as we're going through our, 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 we're worshiping before the Lord, I was just like, Lord, I'm just ticked at David still. And he says, you have no idea the temptations of what a king deals with. I'm like, okay, I'm humbled. I'm humbled again. Lord bless you and the grace for, for David. And so, so he, we know this, you know, the story, he, he gets her pregnant and, you know, Uriah, her husband is one of his warriors, mighty warriors. And he brings him home and hopefully that, you know, they're going to have sex and he's going to, you know, get her pregnant when David's already gotten her pregnant and, and it's all going to be fine. Well, he wouldn't do it. He said, no way. My guys are out of battle. No way. I'm not going to happen. So then he gets him drunk the next night. He said, Hey, a drunk man, he'll for sure make a decision. Nope. Did not man of honor. So finally, he literally wrote a note, put it in Uriah's hand. It was his death sentence. It was his execution orders. He walks, he, he goes to, to the field general, says, here it is. And so God looks at it and says, oh my goodness. Okay, in the heat of battle, we're going to pull back and leave Uriah there. Not only did Uriah get killed, but his whole group got killed. And I start thinking about all the moms of these men, all the wives of these men, because of David's sin, because David couldn't keep his hands off of something that wasn't his. All the kids that have been orphaned now, because have uh, been fatherless now. And I think about that, I'm like, my goodness, how difficult that is. So now that we're all really mad at David, I'm praying that by the end of this, we won't be so mad because he finally made some right decisions through this. But it did take him 
around nine months of carrying this kind of sin. He concealed his sin. He covered his sin. He pushed his sin down. He literally lived with his sin for close to nine months. He was haunted day and night by his own sin. He felt filthy. He felt dirty. He did not feel forgiven. He had no joy. He had a broken spirit. He had a broken relationship with God. Couldn't worship. Couldn't sense God's presence. David was so riddled with, with shame and guilt and condemnation that the Bible says that literally his bones ached. That's how bad it was. And we see in Psalm 32, he describes it himself. When I refused to confess my sin, my body wasted away and I groaned all day long. Day and night, your hand of discipline was heavy on me. My strength evaporated like water in the summer heat. For nine months, he couldn't eat, couldn't sleep. He had no peace. When I think about the church, And I think about so much that we're carrying and so much unconfessed hidden sin in our lives. It's no wonder why there's so many people dealing with shame and condemnation and guilt and suicidal thoughts and depression and anger and anxiety. There's no wonder we're not whole, we're not healthy because we have unconfessed sin in our lives. Finally, After around nine months, Nathan, the prophet, God spoke to him and told him and revealed him everything about David. And so Nathan goes up to David, tells him the story, lets him know he knows. And he points at him and he says, you're that man. You're the man that committed adultery. You're the man that committed murder. You're the man covering up your sin. And finally, David finally said, uncle, he said, I have sinned against the Lord. We think about that confession. I have sinned against the Lord. We're finishing up our series on summer, summer in the Psalms. And, 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 and so it takes us to Psalm 51 that was written by David probably right around the time he was making his confession to Nathan. And so when we look at Psalm 51, and here in just a minute, we're going to read it. When we look at Psalm 51, you have to understand, this is, there is no chapter, there's no book in the Bible that believers have used more than Psalm 51 to to come to the Lord and know what confession is and to confess our sin. And so we're right in the right place. So Psalm 51 Psalm 51, and after we read this psalm, I'm going to give you five elements of a confession that you need to incorporate into your life, and when you incorporate that into your life, I promise you, I guarantee you, according to God's word, you'll walk in freedom. I believe it with all my heart. I've seen it too many times. The scripture says, David says in one, verse one, have mercy on me. He knew right off the bat, I don't deserve forgiveness. You ever been there? I don't deserve it. 
I've messed up. I don't deserve forgiveness. He says, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy, but I am going to call upon your character and your nature, God. I know you love. I know you're a loving father, and I call upon your mercy. Even the Bible we know says it's, let's love, it's his loving kindness that leads us to repentance. So we know that every time we've repented, it's because God the Father has wooed us to himself. The scripture says, to blot out my transgressions, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity. And David continues by saying, and cleanse me from my sin. This is, he's calling upon the nature of God, the love, and he's saying, I'm getting ready to make an ask here for you. Here it is. Here it is. I'm going to ask you to blot out my sin, to wash me thoroughly, and to cleanse me. Verse 3, for I know my transgressions, and my sin is ever before me. Against you and you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, delight, you delight in truth in the inward, inward being and you teach me wisdom of the secret heart. Purge me or purify me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. The purify me with hyssop. That was back in the day when they, they would grab the branch, okay, and leaves off of a branch and they would dip it in the blood that had been sacrificed by some a bull or an animal, some type of animal. And then the high priest would shake this blood for the forgiveness of people's sin. David knew that and he says, I need that type of forgiveness that only the blood can bring about. We understand that the Bible says that without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sin. And we see in 1 John 1, 7, the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. And so he understood, and he's even calling upon the blood to bring forth cleansing in his soul. Verse 8, it says, let me hear, y'all with me? Huh? Psalm 51, y'all with me? All right. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let, let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sin and blot out my iniquities. Create me a clean heart, O oh God, and renew a right spirit within me. Verse 10, he's, can't you just hear him crying? God, I want change. I want change. I want change. Give me a new heart. It's, that word there is soul. It's your mind, your will and emotions. It's what we think. It's what we do. It's what we feel. And I can just hear David crying out, I need newness in my life. I need change in my life. And he goes on to say, and renew a right spirit. That means renew a loyal spirit that I would follow you loyally. Verse 11, cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. David knew about the presence of God. He knew about the presence of the Spirit. He knew when the presence of God and the presence of Spirit is that there was peace. He had also seen his predecessor, Saul, King Saul. God reached down and removed the Spirit of God off of him. And he saw he became a demented, crazy, wild mental king and David and playing his harp and singing his worship was the only time that that Saul could have some type of peace and you know what he says he says oh Lord please don't take 
that spirit away from me. I don't want to be like Saul. Lord, change me. Verse 12, restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your way and sinners will return to you. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God. Oh, O God of my salvation, and my tongue will sing aloud of your righteousness. Oh, Lord, I love this. Oh, Lord, open my lips, and my mouth will declare your praise. It's been a long time since he'd been spending time with God. It's been a long time since he was able to praise and sense God's presence. He says, for you will not delight in my sacrifice, or I'd give it to you. King, he'd have sacrificed anything. He was used to sacrificing hundreds of animals. He would have done anything. But he says, but that wouldn't please you. Burnt offerings aren't going to please you. And he says, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit. He's saying, my spirit's broken. A broken and contrite heart, oh God, you will not despise. So remember, confession is literally the open door. It's the beginning step of us moving forward in freedom. So I want to talk with you very quickly and give you five elements, okay, of a confession found right here in Psalm 51. First of all, you got to take responsibility for your sin. Take responsibility for your sin. Verses three and four, my inflection. For I know my transgressions. And my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only have I sinned. You see, there's a full responsibility here taken. That it's his sin. He says it's 100% my fault. It's no one else's fault. My, my, my mama didn't make me sin. My wife didn't make me sin. My business partner didn't make me sin. My, because of how I grew up didn't cause me to sin. There is no I have no ifs or ands or buts about it. It's my fault. It's my sin. Full responsibility. I remember my dad telling me the story about one of his good friends in college. Had, he had uh, just surrendered to preach. And so he got one of his first gigs at a church, in a country church, one Sunday night. And he went out there and my dad went to support him. And, and uh, he was going to preach a message on sin. And he was so excited. Starting off the message. Because today I want to give you, I'm going to tell you about a three-letter word. A three-letter word right here. And he goes on and he says, this three-letter word can send you to hell. This three-letter word will separate you from God. This three-letter word, word will get, allow the enemy in your life. Yes, that's right. Sin. S-E-N. Now, I got dyslexia, but I can spell sin, all right? I got that. I can spell three-letter word, sin. I think about that, though, and I'm like, you know what? You, you literally cannot take the I smack dab out of the middle of sin. It's all about us. It's all about our sin. It's all about what we've done. And the moment, the moment we start blaming other people for our sin is the moment that we'll never get past our sin. It just won't happen. You know, I cannot tell you, Pastor, I know you know this. Anybody who's counseled knows this. I, I mean, some of the excuses you get. It's like, please. Oh, you know, she, she, you know she, she really made me so mad this time. No, she didn't make you mad. You chose to be mad. 
Oh, he, he put me over the edge this time. No, no, you chose to go over the edge. The, the fruit of the Spirit says we have love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control. And so that's what we've got. No matter what's happening, you know, we, we don't blame someone else, but you don't understand what I grew up with. You don't understand what they did to me, and that's why I do what, no, 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 I, maybe I don't. But all I know is the cross is enough. Okay, the cross is enough. And the moment you blame other people for your sin is the moment you will not get set free from your sin. I like to say confession is not a group project. You don't work on it together. You didn't sin together, okay? You sin personally with God. And so you sit down and say, Lord, it's me, 100% my fault. And if we stay in that lane, okay, okay, we're on a road to freedom. But the moment we get off that lane, we start focusing on our wife and or we focus on our business partner or how we grow, that's when you'll lose it. You'll go right back into the bondage. If you want 100% forgiveness, then you must take 100% of the responsibility. 100%. Number two, you confess your sin to God and to man. Keep short list. You don't have, hey, if you sin, just confess it right then. I don't understand the deal of, well, you know, tomorrow when I have my quiet time, I'll confess that sin. Why tomorrow? The blood of Jesus is good today, right in the afternoon. It's good in the evening. It's good in the morning. Right then, short list, immediately. Don't fall into that and say, well, then I'll, hey, what do you mean you're going to put it on your phone to, to get to confess to God? Hey, just confess it and move on. It's, it's cast as far as the east is to the west. Remember no, remember no more. Why? You need to remember it. So just confess it right there. Okay, so we need to confess our sin to God, but we also need to confess our sin to man. We see that Nathan spoke to David. He knew everything about David. And David said, I have sinned. I have sinned. You know everything, Nathan. And I, yeah, I'm the man. I did it. James chapter five, verse 16 says, therefore, confess your sins to one another. I, I understand we confess our sins to God. And I understand it's uncomfortable confessing our sins to one another. But if you want, it's, it's not as uncomfortable as bondage. It really isn't. It really isn't. And so you confess your sin to one another, pray for one another, what? That you'll be healed, you'll be delivered, you'll be saved, you'll be redeemed. When I was in sixth grade, one day I made a bad choice to hang around with some people that were a little bit older than me. And I made a decision by peer pressure to do something I was so ashamed. I would have never thought of this. It was horrible in my mind. And I went home that night and I was plagued with guilt and condemnation and shame. I didn't know what to do. I'm in sixth grade. It's not saying, hey, mom, this is what I did. I, could, I, I didn't know what to do. And man, day one, I was just ridden with guilt. Two, I was plagued with guilt. The third day, I did not know what to do. I, it, it was on me day and night. And the third day, I went to church and I'm like, hey, there's this guy that I know had a crazy life. He's, he's in college and he has a, had a crazy life and he got saved, radically saved. And, and, and he's on fire for God. And I bet he'd know this is not something that's too much for him. And I went to him and I remember just crying. I could hardly get it out. I know what it's like to confess something could hardly get it out. I was so ashamed. Shame always, always tries to keep you quiet and cover it up. 
always. That shame was just on me. And I'm like, Chris. And he says, what is it, Stevie? And I'm like, yeah, that was who I was, Stevie, back in the day. And uh, I should have stayed with that. It's a great brand, Stevie. Pastor Stevie. Y'all can just start calling me Pastor Stevie, all right? There we go. And I remember, and he said, and I, he says, what is it? It took me a while. I finally got it out. And I said, this is what I did. Can God forgive me? You know? And he just looked at me, put his hand on my shoulder. He says, God forgives you. The cross is enough. And he just gave me some encouraging words, prayed over me. And I'm just telling you, it was broken off of me. Never, ever, ever, ever to be plagued with that again. You know, if you break the silence, you can almost, almost be for sure that you'll break the cycle. Break the silence. Man, I, I exhort you. I implore you. Man, if I could just make you break the silence. The reason you're in the cycle is because of the silence. The reason you can't get free is because you're quiet and you're being silent. The reason why you are having suicidal thoughts is because you won't reach out and you won't open up and you won't say what's going on. The reason why you're heavy depressed is because you won't open up. I want you to know there's freedom on the other side when you speak. You say, well, who do you tell? How do I know when to tell somebody? There's a lot of sin you don't need to tell people. I don't sit around and go, hey, Pastor Dustin, I just want you to know, you know, had a bad thought yesterday, you know, <laughs> or I talked to my wife the wrong way. Or, you know, I, most of the time I just pray about that and just say, Lord, it's, but I'll tell you how you know you need to get with someone. It's when there's some type of sin in your life and it's still got a little bit of power. It's got some tentacles. You can't get rid of it. It sticks to you. Do you know what I'm talking about? There's a little shame there. There's a little, there's a little uh, condemnation. And I just want you to understand, when that happens, that is an indication that you need to share that with someone. Thirdly, leave nothing hidden. Nothing. Your inward parts, your hidden parts. I cannot tell you the amount of people who partially confess their sin to me. Can I just tell you something right now? Partial confession is worse than no confession. Because when you par partly confess, what ends up happening is in order for you to do that, you're lying again. You're deceiving again. You're saying that you're confessing, but you're not. It's a lie. Partly confessing does nothing except for put us into more bondage. You see, full confession equals full freedom. Proverbs chapter 28, verse 13. Whoever conceals their sin does not prosper, but the one who confesses and renounces them finds mercy. Finds mercy. You know, I'm just reminded of so many people that we talk with and we'll ask, what is the one thing you do not want to share? And it takes them a while. And sometimes they'll say multiple times, I've never shared this, but I had an abortion when I was younger and they've just carried it. Another time we'll say, you know, when I was young, 
my father touched me in wrong, wrong ways and I was sexually abused and I don't want to share it. I, it's just stuff that's hidden, whether it's sin or whether it's something that happened to you. I want you to understand something. Anything kept in the dark will keep you in the dark. God wants you to open up. He wants you to open up the hidden secret places. Number four, focus on the cross. Focus on the cross. Confession is never complete without the cross. The Bible tells us in verse 16 of, of um, what are, where am I? Uh, 51 of Psalms, all right? For you will not delight in sacrifices. This is David. You'll not delight in sacrifices. I'd give it. He'd give everything. You'll not be pleased with my burnt offerings. Basically what the scripture is saying is stop beating yourself up. Stop paying penance. Stop paying some kind of price when Jesus has already paid the price. Do you understand what I'm saying? Stop focusing on what you didn't do and start focusing on what he did do. You need to know something that what you focus on, okay? What you focus on is what you will get. If you focus on your sin, you're gonna continue to fall into that sin. But if you focus and you obsess upon the cross, then you will possess the cross. Do you understand what I'm saying? So the cross is so powerful and the enemy wants to say, hey, but this sin's really bad. You can't, you can't just take this to the Lord. You gotta pay a price. You know what? What you're basically saying, now you need to watch out. What you're basically saying is the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross is not enough for me. It's idolatry. So the cross is good enough just for you, just for you. Number five, we'll be done. Repent, repent. Confession requires repentance. Verse 17 says the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, thou will not despise. A contrite heart means a repentant heart. It means, and repentance means you turn away. Okay, you change the way you think. You change your direction. Repentance always requires humility. It requires brokenness and it requires a submitted spirit. God always receives the sacrifices of a broken heart. Always. He always will. No matter what we've done, no matter where we've been, no matter what we were involved in, if our hearts are broken before the Lord, submitted to him, and we come humbly before him, you need to understand he will receive you. David finally says, this is when I start kind of liking him again. After it's all said and done, he says, finally. I wonder how long your finally is going to be. Seriously, how long has it been? As we were worshiping, I sensed, as I was just looking and praying, I sensed that there are people who have had things in, hidden in their lives for over decades. Well over 10 years. Some of you, over 20 years, you've had stuff packed down. And you know what? You're experiencing the fruit of the nasty root. And today's the day that you can make a decision, I'm going to give it to the Lord. I'm going to confess my sin. I'm going to give it to him. He says, finally, 
I confessed all of my sins to you and I stopped trying to hide my guilt. Aren't we tired of hiding? Aren't we tired of play, living that double life? Aren't we tired of pushing it down? That's what David was doing. I, I was hiding my guilt. And he said, I said to myself, I will confess my rebellion to the Lord and you forgave me. All my guilt is gone. All your guilt is gone. All your guilt is gone. All your guilt is gone because of the blood of Jesus, because we've confessed. See, forgiveness is for you. Freedom is for you. I understand the enemy will tell you, oh, you're done. It's over with. When people find this out, it's over with. You're never going to amount to anything. Your life is not going to work out. You're second class from here on out. I want you to understand every, every bit of that is a lie from the pit of hell. I know the enemy says the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. We see, and we, we see Jeremiah 29, 11, he says, I know the plans I have for you. They're not for harm. They're not for calamity, but they're for a future and a hope for you. And even in one of my favorite passages, Romans chapter 11, 29, it says the gifts and callings of God are irrevocable. The gifts and callings of God are irrevocable. No matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, no matter what decisions you've made, the gifts and callings of God are irrevocable. God still has a plan for your life. God still has a plan for your life. Your, your days are, are your days, your best days are ahead of you, not behind you. There's a plan that God has for your life. I want to finish by telling you three things that is going to happen. When you, when you implement those five, when you implement those five elements and you confess very quickly, the first one, you're going to have joy. David says, restore the joy of my salvation. You're going to have joy. Do you remember when you were saved? Do you remember those nights and those days when God was on you and you felt that joy? He's going to double it for you. He's going to, I'm telling you right now, he's going to double it for you because you will appreciate being away from him. You'll appreciate being close to him and you're going to find joy. Second thing that's going to happen in your life, you're going to find purpose. There's going to be new purpose in your life. David even says, I'm going to teach. I'm going to teach these sinners your ways. I don't want them to fall in what I did. The bottom line is what the enemy meant for evil, you're going to use for good. You're going to use the third thing that's going to happen is you're going to worship. He says right here in verse 15, he says, my tongue will sing aloud of your righteousness. Oh Lord, open my lips and my mouth. I'll declare your praise in second, in, in second Samuel chapter 20 and we're done. After David was confronted, after he confessed, and even after his son died at seven days of a consequence of his son. Do you know what David did? The Bible says he got up he went to the temple to worship his God. I want you to know something. You will be a worshiper. There will be worship that comes from your mouth like never before. You will know what it's like to have been bound and be set free. And a free man always has an attitude of gratitude. A free man always is grateful. Thanks for listening. You can find out more about us at church1132.com.